Good morning, everyone. I'm with the incredible Mike Diamond here on Office Hours, and uh, it's a dose of positivity every single day when you're with Mike Diamond. He used to be the Diamond in the Rough. Now he's just Mike Diamond. What's going on, Mike? The two of us, consistent, persistent to shoot. We always show up for this show, and now I'm broken. I don't <laughs> exactly. I got to change his name from unbroken to uh, unavailable. But uh, more, <laughs> hey, can, do we have the power uh, to change? Like, can I change your name if I wanted to on, on uh, StreamYard? Like, if I wanted to, could I change, you know, you say Mike Diamond I, in there? I, I can. I can. You I can, can. You I, can I, but yeah. I'm wondering if, like, Raluca could do it, because next time it would be hilarious if we change his name to Michael Unavailable. But more <laughs> importantly, you know who is available? Our first friend all the way from London, England. There he is. Figured out the technology is better man than we are. <laughs> James, first CEO at Agronon, and of course, has a book to discuss with us. Uh, welcome, James, and thank you for your patience. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm delighted to be here with you. It's all positive today. It's all yeah. up. Well, I I'm the only one here with an accent now. So between you and Mike, <laughs> uh, people are probably like, I love that thank Dave you. Meltzer. He has such a great accent. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, the idea, and I learned, I think I learned it, uh, originally with Lao Tzu in the 81 verses and then, uh, reinforced by Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, in change your thoughts, change your life, uh, but flexibility. And I think about, you know, a tree in the wind and how strong it is. And the story of how the farmer put trees in the middle of his farm totally exposed and then he would use that wood uh for the wagon wheels uh because it was the strongest because it was the most flexible and you know what really excited me about your book is the methodology that is uh revol revolves around that constant of flexibility and with so many variables that we're exposed to right and it's the same as we are now trees not protected in some isolated county of three, 300 people, you know, cheering on our rugby team. Uh, but more importantly, we are now all exposed to all of the, <laughs> all of these things, just like a tree out in the middle of a field. Um, and so it seems to me that flexibility is the most important thing to provide uh, strength and also to survive. I agree. Listen, in my view, if you're not flexible, you will die. Um, and you're right. We live in a time of permacrisis. We've come more, more or less through COVID, but it hasn't completely gone away. Um, we have now, since COVID, had you know mass inflation, cost of living crisis, Ukraine, um, Israel and Gaza. You know, it just never ends, right? And on top of that, climate change throughout, throughout and seemingly only getting more challenging. Um, but you know what? I wrote this book. It's called The Flexible Method. Um, and it is a very optimistic book because I am an optimist and I'm very, very hopeful about the future. The human species is incredibly adaptable. And it's not about being the strongest or the fittest. It's about being the most flexible, in my view. And there is space in the world for people from all backgrounds, from all shapes, sizes and colours, if we are willing to listen, surround ourselves by good people, take advice where advice is necessary, sometimes admit we're wrong. No one individual has all the answers. Um, and when you are 
coming and approaching the world with that kind of mindset, and indeed whether it's in your business or your personal life, I think you will come out fitter and stronger and and, and come out on top. So I wrote the book. It's, it's a book made up of 16 lessons. I know you're very interested in the sports and entertainment business. I run an entertainment production group based in London, New York and Los Angeles primarily. We make a whole bunch of shows, including The Masked Singer, uh, lots of documentaries. We do House Hunters International, which is a big reality show um, on pretty much every day on HGTV and many, many others. Um, and our sector actually provided a really good example, a, a sort of test case, if you like, because in the production sector, we are very fleet of foot. We're very agile. We're used to running business on tight margins. We have incredibly talented people who are able to pivot on the spot. If something doesn't work, you pivot and you try something else. And actually that kind of mindset, step, building that mindset into the culture and the corporate thinking of your business is absolutely essential because there is no right answer that works forever. We are living now in a time of constant disruption. The next big exciting thing that we're all now experiencing and grappling with is AI. I mean, I'm incredibly excited about AI because I think it is going to make human beings much more efficient and it will take out some of the boring, the low-level, low-skilled work. It will create some very, very high-skilled, high-paid, well-jobs for people and it's going to make, I think, the human race stronger and fitter. There are, of course, inherent challenges within it. We're going to have to be mindful and collectively, as a global community, make sure that we... Uh, put some uh, some boundaries and, and, and processes in place so that we can control AI, but actually it's a very exciting opportunity and we don't even know where it's headed. Uh, so I'm excited about that and I'm open to that. I'm constantly, I'm a constant student and I think in, in a way that is a good way to be, that's the best way to be because you're always open to change. You know, you and I share, Mike, before you jump in there, uh, it's so nice to hear, you know, from the guy you'll talk to here, wrote the book, A Dose of Positivity. Uh, but, you know, having a step-by-step -step procedure uh, makes my heart sing beyond the optimist. I'm, I'm a toptimist. Uh, and so there's a danger in being a toptimist, the top of all optimists. Uh, but flexibility is a common denominator within the context of being just an optimist. You have to be flexible and strong. Uh, and the awareness to uh, also the uh, the ability to reprioritize yeah. uh, falls within, you know, the methodology as well. But Mike Diamond, uh, you wrote the book, A Dose of Positivity. I know your heart singing in symbiotic beats uh, with James Verstall. What are you thinking? I always say we came from that fixed mindset and people go into the growth mindset and growth is good, but without flexibility, like you said, you need to be flexible. So this is the question I have to ask for you, James. A lot of people don't realize that the rituals and routines to stay flexible are the most important things. And people think there's all these fancy things. No, it's the basics. You've got to master the monotonous constantly to stay flexible. Do you talk about the importance of rituals and routines and doing the same thing until it becomes an unconscious habit? Yeah, in fact, I, you know, I call the book The Flexible Method because as David himself said earlier, um, just being positive is kind of woolly and, and is not necessarily going to get you achieve your goal, let you achieve your goals. So it's a methodology of 16 lessons, which are not easy. And I outline the, the detail of you must surround yourself, first of all, by putting, well, the first thing you must do is put your people first. Then you must surround yourself with the best people who are 
not necessarily going to just say yes to you. They will sometimes say no. And that's tough. You've got to listen to this stuff. Then you've got to have very tight cost and management controls. You have to have a plan for sustainability. You have to have a really mixed diversity and inclusion uh, uh, culture built into your business. You must build in repeated, you talk about repetition and, and uh, routine, repeated opportunities for people to challenge the status quo and for those challenges to be heard and tested and thought through. And sometimes we accept them and we go with them and sometimes we don't. And, you know, these 16 lessons that I outlined in the book, they are tried and tested. I put my company, of course, I led my company through 9-11 in New York, then through multiple different climate change crises, Hurricane Sandy, Katrina in New Orleans, the, the wildfires in California, and then now more recently, obviously COVID and then Ukraine and, and these other more recent things. And of course, in the middle of that as well, the credit crunch, which was a total existential threat to, to capitalism, let alone my little production group. <laughs> so you have to be willing to keep trying, but put systems in place and utilize those systems. I wrote the book to be useful. I wrote it to be a manual that people can reach out for and I hope find lots of useful tried and tested methods that work. But you know what? It's not a finished product. It is constantly evolving. And I wrote the book also to be a dialogue. I love it. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I love it when people come and say, have you thought about this? What about trying this? This is a new idea. And if it's a good idea, we're going to listen and implement. You know, creating a brand called the Ferocious Buddha, which uh, one of the key aspects of a Ferocious Buddha is the awareness of outcomes. And one of the things with being an optimist and also being flexible is people can't reconcile the work or activity or focus or discipline or consistency and persistency that it takes, but yet you have to be ferocious in those aspects combined with Buddhist in the outcomes. And part of flexibility is to understand we don't know or understand outcomes as aligned with the behaviors that we're putting in. So people quit. Um, how in in which way in the 16 different uh, things that you teach is this what they call surrender, the surrender of what we do? And, you know, how and how, how do we help communicate, you know, the ferocious Buddha reconciliation of, hey, look, I got plenty of goals, but I'm not attached to the actual outcomes of my goals. Well, I'm very interested in spirituality myself, actually. So I'm, I'm, I love that particular book. I haven't read that particular one, but I'm very interested in this dichotomy, which is actually a crucial axis of the flexible method. On the one hand, we must put our people first. We take a 360 approach to a community. You know, a business is a community of people, right? It's a community of people. It's not a profit and loss. Profit and loss and profit matter. We're not, you know, we're not a charity. But nonetheless, we are a collective of people. So you have to put people at the heart of your plan. At the same time, you also have to have a strategy and a set of methods that you put in place and you implement. And once you've made the decision as a team, you take time to make the decision. But once you've made the decision, you must follow it through with fierce resolve. And sometimes that is painful and sometimes it's difficult and you can never know the outcome. But once you've decided that you're going to go on a path, you must follow it through because that is the only way you're going to reach a, a positive outcome for your entire organization. Well, 
everybody, this is a must read. I know uh, the common denominator. I get to deal with highly successful people, fulfilled, passionate, purposeful, and profitable people. And the common denominator absolutely is flexibility. And I haven't seen anyone come up with a methodology uh, to be a strong tree in the middle of the fields. Uh, and James, I can't wait to uh, jump on my next plane because I got 16 of them. Hold it up high because we're also in the airports. This is the number one spot on both Amazon US and Amazon UK. It's doing really oh, well. And I, you know, I would love it if your if your audience um, get in touch with me on LinkedIn. I want to hear great ideas. Uh, we we have to do more, and uh, we are all over the world with office hours as well, and very strong on LinkedIn. So it's a perfect home uh, for your book and for everyone to learn how. Uh, to take advantage of the continual constant crisis that exists today. Prepare to prosper. Read the flexible method. I promise you uh, these 16 different steps will help you in every aspect of your life. James, promise me we have other shows. We'd love to have you back. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Peace. Thank you. What a great, what a great book. I, I, you know, my heart sings when it's like four steps to the, I get teased, as you know, for the king of alliteration. And it's like three steps to this, four steps. So when he said 16 steps to flexible, I was like, oh, that sounds good to me. Uh, we are rocking and rolling here early in the morning in the West Coast, in a little bit early in the East Coast, depending on uh, where you are and what you do. Uh, we have the founder and principal at Intellibus. He is Ed Wattel. Welcome to Office Hours. Well, thank you, uh, David, for having me. Thank you, Mike. Nice to meet you as well. It was very James. interesting to hear from backstage, uh, James, just uh, talking about the 16 flexible steps. And when he was talking about flexibility in 16 steps, I couldn't help but think about my yoga. Yeah. We, well, we all three of us uh, then have something in common there as well. Um, and uh, But I'm looking at you, and, and we do take snapshots of every show. You are going to be in the 2024 <laughs> Best Dressed on office hours. Congratulations. <laughs> You're our first nominee here in 2024. Uh, Mike and I have not made the list yet. Uh, <laughs> Mike's been, Mike's been the t uh, top 10 in the coolest posts we've ever had. But uh, beyond that, we were talking about AI. And um, e even in the, it's funny because even in the entertainment business, we were looking at, you know, one of the great production houses at, at Argonon beyond the book that he wrote, James, you know, has done, you know, mass singer and house hunter, you know, some really big stuff. And it's funny. You would never hear a guy like that talking about technology. Never. There's no way the, you know, producers and directors uh, are talking about technology, but yet it slips his way in is one of the most important things in everybody's business. Um, and it uh, and the strategy is so important today. I personally have hired just one person because I don't have the time to know everything about it. I just have an AI internal strategist uh, in my own business to look at my business every day and say, do you know AI can do this better for you? AI can do this for less money. AI can do this more efficiently, whatever it is. Um, and you do that uh, every single day for some very large institutions uh, understanding AI as a servant uh, is extremely important. What are some of the things that you have found since this is what you do every day for some of the largest global entities and institutions? What are people missing? 
I, I think uh, first off, thanks for that uh, commentary. You know, that was uh, very helpful. Um, I think uh, a few things. Uh, you know, my job the way I mean, I, I was going to thank me for the nomination. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Although Rick Rick's coming on next, I don't know what we put out as our, our message today, but we got two people suited with ties, Mike. This is amazing. So, <laughs> go, go ahead, Ed. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, I think um, I see my role. I mean, I, I, I run a joint operation with NYU. Um, you know, some of you might be familiar with it's called AIMasterclass.com. Uh, it is a joint operation with NYU to largely educate board members and C-suite executives on uh, everything about AI. And uh, part of the challenge, like you rightly pointed out, is uh, making people understand. Like you mentioned, you hired an AI strategist. You know, for the board, it's easy to, you know, obviously pay a lot of dollars and hire a lot of experts from out there in the industry. But but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you can hire a person uh, who knows German, but that's not going to teach you German. So if you have to learn German, you have to learn German. There's no escaping that or whatever that language is that you choose. Unless to you have AI, then it'll just translate everything. Unless you. you buy the neural link <laughs> that has the minutes available in your brain, maybe that will change things. <laughs> and I'm not advocating neural link by, by any means here. Right? I'm, I'm simply saying that there will be wetware technologies far in the future and some of us may choose to use them. Uh, or, you know, the, the, the patent that was filed by Apple last year, uh, which is about the AirPods, which will be EEG enabled, where... You know, your EEG will do the trick right through your ear. You don't need an implant in your brain. So there are all these possibilities in the future. But I think really for board members, C-level executives, uh, when they're looking at it, it's really about a uh, you know understanding the basics, uh, understanding the vector where the world is headed. Um, as uh, you know, uh, you rightly pointed out, uh, we're at a point where we're headed towards what we call the indistinguishable reality. And deep fakes are the least of it. It's just, a, a, you know, on the one side, you could look at it as something terrible. Um, but at the same time, you could look at it as something that, you know, I could have my digital Ed sitting here talking to you while I'm just still sleeping and, or, or sitting on a beach. So so in the end, uh, there's always technology presents good and bad. And it's for board members to sort of understand the pot, the potential and the possibility and then use it in, in the most meaningful way to, to sort of f- further deliver the outcomes. But the caution that I, I lay out always is to be mindful of how your business itself that you think you're in is going to change dramatically. And that's that's where you could get completely blindsided applying AI to your current business, not realizing that this business is not going to be relevant uh, 10 years in the future. It's brilliant. So, Ed, the one thing I love what you said, first of all, it, people get lazy because of ai so how do we kind of train people that to to use it as a tool to expand and grow but also to still be disciplined because you know people cut corners because it's easy to cut corners now right when we were younger you couldn't cut corners you had to read a book or do things or write things down so how do you find that balance when you're like because you're teaching and coaching people to still take the responsibility of still do do certain amount of work and then allow, allow ai to help you I think uh, that's a. Um, I think what you're alluding to, and uh, you know, that's just my lens, maybe, um, of AI as the coach and mentor in some sense for the individual, and uh, and increasingly we'll see. Uh, you know, initially when when we started out in our lives, everybody needs a coach and mentor, even you know, no matter what age you are, depending on what you're trying to learn. And so, increasingly, as we start to see, uh, you know, there's this uh, Jewish concept when you read. Uh, you know, the, the scriptures of, of uh, Habrut. So the idea is that, you know, you sort of partner with another person and the two of you converse with each other and thereby you learn the religious text in a better way because you're going back and forth. And I believe that's the real power of AI. The real power of AI is to be in Habrut with humankind and our ability 
to go back and forth with the guy. That's brilliant. Never knew he was a rabbi as well and is full <laughs> of surprises. Uh, amazing. Um, in, in the IT strategy itself, it's more than just AI. Uh, you know, there's the cloud, there's a variety of different things. And one of the biggest uh, productivity questions uh, that are out there, and I see people my age, and I won't put you or Mike in my uh, elder statesman status, um, I think there's a great uh, uh, street hustle going on. And, and I'm lucky I have young uh, adults that are my children uh, because uh, at least I get to witness the street hustle. And the street hustle is this. The IT that we have, the technology that we have today is so powerful that we have no idea as C-level executives how productive our employees can be. And, you know, as much as we're not at the deep fake uh, reality yet of Ed being here as a deep fake, there is a, a semi-fake going on, which is there's a lot of employees, and I would venture, I'm guessing, uh, 30 to 40% of employees that hardly do anything all day long or work for or five jobs because the IT is so strong in the middle-aged mutant turtles like me, we, we just are looking at productivity and we have no idea how little engagement, little accessibility and little effort uh, our employees are putting on because they understand how to utilize all of these uh, IT uh, tools that we have. Uh, I'm not one of those, by the way, but I see the people that I consult and advise and coach they have no idea uh, what their employees are doing. How much of what you have as your deep IT knowledge is based off of just raising the awareness for C-level executives to, hey, look, you know, you don't need all these people to do what's being done. And if you have all these people, they're not taking much time to do that. I, I think um, there's something here, uh, you know, in what you said uh, what I what I do see often in boardrooms is uh, people talking about the fact, oh, how can we, you know, get done? Of course, business is about making things profitable and, and efficient. Profit is the core motive. So obviously, if I can do this with two people or no people, it's better. You know, imagine a, a completely digital enterprise, a digital twin equivalent where everything is digital, including your supply chain. You literally could operate it with a machine and you just need the investors. You don't even need the board. So now that's scary. Because when you give that reality to the board saying, yes, the path you're going down is a very slippery slope. And then the board is also not required at some point, of course, for fiduciary <laughs> and legal reasons. So, so the question then becomes, you know, what's real and responsible? Obviously, real and responsible is generally the job of the government and not of the corporation because corporations are driven by profit motive. So how do you actually strike that balance uh, in the short term? In the long term, obviously, you know, uh, you know, I have the what I call the screen hypothesis. All 8 billion people connected to the ultimate AI engine, the peer-to-peer -peer network, and everyone has their own private buyer agent that sits within their device of choice, and that converses. And so in the end, you know, in, in, in that future, maybe there is no uh, global digital currency other than the mind powers and all 8 billion people interacting with each other. So it's a very different world that we can imagine far in the future. Uh, but but in the short term, uh, for board members, uh, you rightly pointed out uh, one thing which I, I you know, often have heard in the past. Uh, you know, board members, not just board members, any executive would wonder, oh, what does that person do all day? Because maybe they have never been in their shoes and they haven't done that job, so they don't have the appreciation. 
So, uh, and, and often people, when they don't come back, generally it's been a communication gap. People don't report back often as to what they're working on. And at some point, if they, you don't get the outcome that you're expecting, then it gets worse. Even though the person was spinning their wheels, doing a lot, you're like, but what was the person doing all day? So I think uh, now for the people who were not doing anything, it's very easy to say they were doing something because they can produce an AI output and just get away with it. So that's made it harder for you to catch the ones who are not doing their job. But at the same time, the people who are doing it, you know, you unless the communication problems solved, you can't really enable them and tell them what tools to use. So I think it goes far beyond the boardrooms. It's really about, you know, understanding truly and deeply, A, what your business of the future is going to be. You understand that, right? Then you have to start thinking about how the labor structure has to change, what training has to be put in. And, and, and that's why, you know, the joint operation with NYU, it's really a lot about education. And, uh, and there's one more thing I'd like to add, but uh, I'll let you lead on the questions. But uh, I do have one, uh, one other thing I'd like to add. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. So, so I think uh, we talked about Havruth, which is the relationship between uh, the human and the machine. But also there's this concept of, uh, of um, what we are seeing beyond uh, LLMs, what some people will call LAMs, large action models. As in the idea is that AI can now take action on your behalf, uh, for example, click a button on a browser and so forth. So as the world heads closer beyond LLMs into the LAM space, the real value of AI, which is where some of the investments that I'm making uh, you know, in, in ventures, is around uh, businesses that are building the, the so-called action layers. Uh, an example of that is one of the ventures we've recently invested in called anycode.ai. Uh, and, and the idea behind that uh, venture specifically is to uh, not eliminate software engineer jobs. Uh, software engineers are required to build software, but make them uh, not only super productive, make, make their work very standardized. So the question is, yes, you could give AI to everybody, like Copilot is there from Microsoft. You could give Copilot to everyone, but everybody is going to use Copilot their way. And that's why the emphasis on prompt, what they call prompt engineering. Because if you're prompting an AI and everybody is prompting it 100 different ways, you will not have consistent output out of the machine. So large action models will sort of simplify that with some instruction layer and intelligence. So that's where you know I see you know a lot of that progress. Not just we are doing it for software because that's what we understand well, but you could imagine this for every industry, a layer above the LLMs. Yeah, it, it, that's that's amazing, and uh, I haven't thought about a larger picture as far as standardizing the flexibility within the context of AI and other technologies so that you have, you know, a much wider spread uh, language uh, or form of efficiency. It's amazing. Uh, Ed, once again, we have so many different places to put you. We want to raise and elevate the awareness to Telebus and the genius. He's lecturing everywhere from NYU to Stanford. Both uh, those schools rejected me, but for some reason they let me, Mike and I lecture there as well. Uh, so it, it's nice to t take their money instead of pay them, uh, which is really <laughs> nice. But Ed, please come back and join us. Congratulations on being our first nominee for the best dressed in 2024. Well, Mike, David, it was a pleasure to be here and uh, I'd love to be back anytime you guys want to talk. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Great, great. I love how you pulled Thank it you. out. Best dressed. All right. Dressed. <laughs> <laughs> Our cleanup hitter is here. Uh, there we go. Good. Rick.
Ivanovich is here. He is the CEO and founder of TRG International and CFO at the great people inside, all the way from Ho Chi Minh. Okay. Maybe that. Yeah. You have any internet problems? I'm good. I'm frozen. I'm good. Oh, Rick's there. We've lost, oh, Rick. we've lost David. We've lost <laughs> David. <laughs> okay. And, and, and we're live. Well, welcome, everybody, to David's show. He'll be back any minute now. Well, thanks for having me. Great to come on the show. I see you're, you're a Brit, but you have an incredible, you have a new book out how to thrive in the new renaissance. So let's talk about the book. And first of all, it's good to be a Brit and Aussie, two Brits on the show today. I feel good. So let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book. Okay, the, the book. Okay, the book's called Business as Unusual, How to Thrive in the New Renaissance. Uh, it really came as a result of the pandemic because what was happening during the pandemic you know, as we were getting locked down and locked in our homes and locked out of our offices and locked out of pretty much anywhere else and not even able to leave a country or even enter some, people kept saying, like, when this is over and we get back to normal, everything will be okay. Uh, and as the months and years went by, um, we all knew that that was, a, that was a bit of a joke. And it just sort of annoyed me. Uh, I said, there's nothing usual about anything that is going on. Everything is just unusual. And, and that really triggered the, the name of, of, of the book. Uh, and as we've seen, you know, now two, three, or however many years off, afterward, this is four years since, since the pandemic started, um, things are not normal in the slightest. They just continue to be unusual and just when we thought everything was settling down something else is, is just going to appear and and and, and hit us um, so that's really the, the concept of, of, of why um, you know why the book's called what it is but the, but the whole point of the book is um, I, I realized that during the pandemic you know we've People were pretty stressed. Oh, hi, David. You're back. <laughs> I'm back. Thank you. Yes. Little hotel. Yeah, another great example of business as unusual. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An unusual person having business as unusual. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Finish up. Have my next question ready for you. Hey, no worries. Um, so uh, what I was just saying is like the, the whole point of the book um, was, you know, during the pandemic, um, you know, the scenario pre-pandemic is, you know, we got up in the morning, you commuted, probably not in a great way, uh, to the office. You sat down in your little cube and you jumped on your little hamster wheel and you ran around in circles going nowhere. Uh, the pandemic came along and they threw away your office, they threw away your cube and they threw away your hamster wheel. 
Uh, and uh, even now, when we maybe should be coming back to the office, some people are saying, come back, you need to be here. Others are saying, don't come back, we threw the office away. Others are saying, we're not sure yet, maybe come back, maybe don't come back, no, no, whatever. Okay, it's really, really confusing. Um, so, you know, pre-pandemic, we were already maybe a little bit lost and not too sure what to do, but at least we had a little hamster wheel. Uh, and now all that's been thrown away and we're really, really confused. A lot of people are confused on, on what to do. They don't know which direction to go in. So it's a little bit like, um, you know, Alice in Wonderland, uh, you know, when Alice is speaking to the cat uh, and she goes uh, to the cat, you know, which way shall I go? And the cat says, well, where do you want to go? And Alice says, I have no idea. It says, well, it doesn't matter where you go then. And that's what I feel that people are like. And that's the result or what we are seeing in the great, insert the word, resignation, reshuffle, whatever. People are moving because they lost their job and got turfed out or they got fed up where they were and they looked for the greener grass. They found it and it wasn't so green and they're moving again and again and again. And, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's musical chairs, but people are moving around. So the whole way of work is, is changing. It really is unusual. Okay. And this really sort of is linked to a, a, a belief that I, I hold very dear. And that is we, each one of us, each one of you, everyone listening, uh, all 8 billion people, we all have the potential to be architects of change. In this era, which is defined by this constant, never-ending transformation, our task isn't just to keep up, but to actively shape the path forward. Okay? Every day, our actions, big or small, shape our future. And as we discuss stuff today, David, I want everyone listening to remember this. You are your brand. And every single decision that you make is part of the unique story that you are crafting for yourself. How you react, how you adapt, and how you innovate in the face of all of this change will define your story and your legacy. And this belief inspiring each of us to aim for consistently higher achievement is the cornerstone of my work. It's actually my life purpose. So as we dive into our conversation today, let's not just think about adapting to change, but about how we can define it. After all, when we embrace our unique qualities and strive for that personal growth, we're not just participants, but we're catalysts in our ever-changing business as unusual world so david you're back on hit us I'm with that question very good well you were talking about you know being an architect in order to be an architect you have to have an architecture and one of the counterintuitive things about business as unusual is the dependency on daily habits mm -hmm. uh, and it's counterintuitive to most people very you know, mindset's obvious when we're looking at business is unusual. Uh, but you, like I, rely on formulating daily behaviors in a divine direction towards the multivariable aspects of the world in the acceleration, aggregation, and compounding impact causes and effects that are inherent within business as unusual. So I kind of wanted to finish up with, you know, what are those daily habits 
that best prepare us for business as unusual? That's all right. And that's a great question. The key is we need a direction. <laughs> and I, uh, again, you know, I mentioned before, that's why I wrote the book. I, I feel people are directionless that, you know, what's the point? What's the purpose? Okay, so we've got to find that first. You know, we've got to find that life purpose. And when we have that, that gives us the lens to look at everything. You know, is everything that we're doing taking us in the right direction? Is it contributing to our life purpose, to the legacy, to what we really want to do? Or are we just going in the wrong direction? And, and all the habits that we need to create, okay, and we need to create these habits, it's to help propel us continuously in the right direction. And those habits are, are there to keep us going in the right direction, but also they may be there to help us prevent us going in that wrong direction. Yeah, and that direction has to have a mindset of a divine direction. Once again, not knowing or understanding the outcomes as they present themselves relative to our behaviors and the milestones, goals, or for the sake of what is a question that I help uh, empower people with, which helps bring in uh, that purposeful fulfillment in the pursuit of their own potential. Like you said, that personal brand of what you want, who you are, not what other people want or what mm. you worry about, which is what other people think you are. Instead, I am. If you want to learn who I am and do business as unusual, read his book, get mentored by him. He's been a business coach for many years, helping so many people make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Check out TRG International, trginternational.com as well. Rick Ivanovich, thank you so much for joining us. We have many other shows for you. Uh, thank you very much for the expertise and how to live in this ever-changing and unusual world. We appreciate you. Thanks very much, David. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for your patience, Rick, as well. All right, Mikey, we've had a few little hiccups in this unusual aspect of IT. You know, great job by being to put together such extraordinary guests. Aligned as well with some thematic lessons. Speaking of which, what's your takeaway of the day? I mean, to me, it's flexible. And it's like always having the ability to adapt and change and then just make sure you, like you, for example, <laughs> five different cities. <laughs> in like a week you have to be flexible because you, you can you can prepare here what's going to happen but you don't know what's going to happen till you arrive you know and like today we're flexible someone comes on live we bounce around so it's it's being consistent persistent like we talk about being disciplined but also being flexible to take things on and manage our emotions yeah by the way i was uh i wanted to learn how he put his logos onto the screen yeah, that was cool, right? I like that. Yeah, on stream, yeah. I want, I want yeah. to encourage my team to be more interested and interesting and find out the latest and greatest uh, out there. So we're, we're outshined by our own guests in, in our own production. So, But we're learning lessons every day and being flexible ourselves. Uh, mine is the ferocious Buddha idea. You know, okay. each of these, you know, you, you think about it, there is such a difficult time that human beings have, and this is in your profession, especially as, you know, one of the world's leading uh, intervention people, recovery specialists, uh, and friends, by the way. But I, I just have, you know, 
a difficult time getting people to understand how you can be ferocious every day with, you know, daily habits, right? The 12 steps is one of the most relied upon daily habits. Uh, the, the 12 rules of being human uh, from Sanskrit, I teach uh, their daily habits. And it's just human nature interferes with, hey, why is it important to be, you know, ferocious with my habits if I can't control the outcomes? Right. Uh, and so people who have daily habits think, oh, I can control the outcomes. And people that don't, given up saying, what's the difference? Which, uh, but there is a benefit to daily habits. Good daily habits create good progress. Bad daily habits create bad progress according to where you want to be. And there's a lot of discipline involved in that. So be a ferocious Buddha. Uh, be ferocious in the day towards an outcome that you don't understand that is unusual and put your emotions into the effort, not into the outcome. And you will have the daily progress that you want to the bigger picture, the better situation to be in. The incredible Mike Diamond bringing his wisdom and his faith to everyone. He's a dose of positivity. If you haven't read it yet, go ahead on Amazon. It's the number one bestseller as well. A dose of positivity. My man, handsome Mike Diamond. Good to see you. I travel safe. Ciao, mate. All right, I want to thank my team for doing an exceptional job and hanging in there and having the patience. Uh, no idea. I must not have paid my hotel bill or something. The internet went down for a minute. But thank you for your patience. Just as a review where I am and what I'm doing this week, I am at the Diplomat Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. I'll be here at noon doing a meetup after my keynote. I then venture up to Boca Raton, Florida, to the Rick Macy Tennis Academy. We're doing an incredible conversation with Rick Macy and I and a VIP meetup with Rick Macy and I. Then we're going to be having dinner and flying out to Atlanta where we have a meetup and lunch intern with the NFL superstar Andre Fluellen and many, many others. Hopefully joining us there. Next, off to Nashville, Tennessee with James Maslow, Michael Chandler, many more and doing a meetup there at the Conrad Hotel. So come and join us. And then in Temecula at the ranch with Michael Chandler again and Tim Kennedy and Dan Fleischman and many more in Temecula on Sunday. Uh, Friday evening will be. Nine, four, nine, two, nine, eight, two, nine, oh, five is right. Scrolling in the bottom nine, four, nine, two, nine, eight, two, nine, oh, five. Now it's posted right below me. And you can email me, David, at email.com. Anyway, we have had a great day. I want to thank all our guests. I want to thank Raluca, our producer. I want to thank my co-host, Michael Diamond, and Michael Unavailable for not being available. But please email me, David, at DMelzer.com. Remember, most importantly, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you soon. <laughs>